Today's guest started his first search way back in 2009 as a traditional search fund. He successfully exited that acquisition, and about 10 years after his first search, started another, this time self-funded. August Felker. It's a name you'll recognize. Via his insurance firm Oberly, August is a longtime supporter of Acquiring Minds. August has been in and around search for almost 15 years. In this episode, we hear about his experience doing both a traditional search fund and more recently, a self-funded search. It's a topic you've heard about before on Acquiring Minds, but rarely from someone who's done both. And there are some dichotomies between the two models that August crystallizes for us. Bigger business versus tiny business. Mentorship versus being on your own. And having to exit versus holding forever. We also get into the business of insurance agencies, which turn out to be really good businesses, if you can get them. My favorite part of the interview is August talking about his evolution as a leader. Leadership was difficult for him at first, but there was a key shift in behavior that finally unlocked it. In that arc, from random outsider who bought the business to true leader that your employees look to and respect is one that many of you who buy a business for the first time will experience. Because even if you've managed people before, arriving day one as the new owner of a business you just acquired, it's a unique experience that's hard to prepare for. Here he is, August Felker, owner of Oberly Risk Strategies. Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. You already know that business owners are making amazing use of virtual assistants, often based in the Philippines. And while virtual assistants are helpful, virtual professionals are transformative. More Staffing is a boutique agency that hires A players in the Philippines, not for simple tasks, but for deep competency work. Think operators, supply chain managers, controllers. More Staffing de-risks your engagement with a 12-month guarantee to you, and they provide coaching for six months to their talent when an engagement begins. That means your hire is coached in the background, no additional cost to you, so that your working relationship flourishes and is as successful as it can be. Global staffing is increasingly the norm, and building the muscle within your business to take advantage of it will be crucial in the years ahead. Speak with more staffing about the pool of capable, affordable managers they can connect you with. Check out morenow.co. That's morenow.co. August Felker, welcome to Acquiring Minds. Thank you, Will. It's great to be here. August, I feel like you need no introduction because regular listeners will have heard your sponsorship copy. A two-time successful searcher, first with a traditional search fund, the second time around you did a self-funded search, and today you run Oberly Risk Strategies. <laughs> People will recognize those words. But really, August, you do have two successful searches under your belt. You've been in this community for over a decade, I believe. Today, you work with searchers who are close to closing a deal on all things insurance. You've got deep expertise in the insurance business. We're going to get into all of it. 
So please start us off with some background on you, August. Awesome. Well, Will, I'm, I'm uh, pumped to be joining the podcast. I also am so happy to be kind of in partnership with you. It's, it's been a great ride. And uh, it's just amazing how the community has grown so much over the last 10 years. And uh, thank you for, for all you've done to, to help that. Um, so, so my quick background, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Very proud uh, St. Louis Cardinals fan. <laughs> uh, went, to, went to college at a small school in Maine called Bowdoin College. Um, after, after graduating from college, I was, I was excited to go and try to live out in the West coast and move to San Fran, um, worked in, in the insurance business out there right after college, met my wife out there. Um, you know, love, love living in the Bay area, ended up living there for seven years. Um, but towards the end of my stay in the Bay area, I linked up with a couple of guys who, uh, became very, very close mentors and got excited about the search fund uh, space. And this was like 2008, 2009. Um, and was very, very excited to try my hand at doing a search out of the Bay Area. My wife and I had one kid. Um, and, and we were sort of at that point where we were flexible. And, um, and so that's sort of where the, where the search story starts. Were you associated with a, a business school out there? I wasn't. So I, uh, I, you know, when I was out in the Bay Area, I linked up with two guys who were Stanford GSBers who had used a search fund to buy a, a logistics business mm -hmm. in South San Francisco. And I joined them as sort of one of their first sales hires and uh, just love the experience, love working for them, love the model. Um, so when they ended up selling that business, I, I re sort of partnered with them and said, Hey, let's, let's go out and do a search fund and, and do it together. And so that, that's how I got, you know, into the world, uh, of searching. I did not, did not end up going to business school. Mm -hmm. And, and had you expected that at some point in your life, in your career, you'd be an entrepreneur or did this come out of left field, the idea of this and, and therefore being an entrepreneur? I didn't, I didn't know, you know, a hundred percent that I, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I. I sort of in my mind knew as I as I got older, I wanted to have some freedom and, um, you know, I wanted to have a great career and literally it was something I wanted to do. But I, I had no idea about the search fund world uh, until I was sort of exposed to it. And that totally changed everything. And once I got, you know, heard about it and learned about it, I almost became kind of unemployable. I was just an entrepreneur. <laughs> I'll probably be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur for life. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have that moment. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so these two guys that you'd worked for before you they buy a business they grow it presumably they sell it at which point and you've been working for them through that exit yep. at which point you yep. say to them let's go do a search fund together be my partners yeah yeah mm -hmm. exactly so so the model with them was they, they had already done a search i i was 29 i didn't really know how to do it didn't know how to go about it didn't know how to raise funds and so they were sort of um they kind of vouched for me and they sort of said to the investor community, Hey, it was, it was a traditional search I was going to do. Uh, at that time there, there weren't a lot of them. Um, so they sort of vouched for me and they also said, Hey, we'll sort of sit on your board. We'll mentor you. We'll coach you through the whole process, but, but we're not going to move out to wherever you end up buying a business. That was sort of my, my, my part. So you were going to run it. It really was going to be yep. the August Felker show, yep. but they were yep. kind of mentors, first investors, vouching for the investor community. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I wasn't active in this world at that time, but um, from my understanding to do a traditional search fund at that time to not have come out of an MBA program, which is really, as I understand it, the only place it was being talked about, you must have been yeah. pretty unusual to kind of be a self-starter to go do it. 
I was. I mean, it was, it was, I, I got a lot of sort of, I didn't really get a lot of pushback, but I got a lot of questions about it. And I think the the thing that kind of gave me comfort in sort of, you know, moving across the country and wanting to buy a business was my experience working for these two guys in, in, in an environment really operating. I, I really got a lot of sort of um, on the ground experience running and, and managing a small business with these two. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like even though I didn't have an MBA, I still like, hey, you know, I, I think I can do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it gave me confidence. So um, and then having them behind me sort of pushing me on saying, you can do this, you can do this um, was a huge part of it. Cool. Really, really cool. Yeah. August. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Th- that, that kind of, hey, I think I can do this um, feeling, epiphany is one I've heard from from a lot of my guests where they they kind of yeah. appear in, into an operating business and they say, and they realize that, you know, I, I could do this too. Yeah. You've partnered with them in the Bay Area, but you say you're yep. going to do a, a geographically agnostic search or you're trying to get yourself back to the Midwest? Because I know so, that's where so you end up. So what I did is, is when I, when I talked to my wife about this, I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. Here's this model. Uh, she, she was, you know, in the middle of a, just a thriving career. Um, and so I, I, I said, Hey, let's, it's so a, we, we sort of agreed to pick 10 cities. Mm-hmm. That was our compromise. Uh, and we went through a list and most of them were actually on the West coast. There were a few on the, in the Midwest that I was I was looking at. Chicago was one, St. Louis was one, but most of them were on the West Coast. West Coast. So I really focused my search just on those ten cities, mm-hmm. um, and I also you know focused on on insurance. So I I, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I worked in insurance right out of school. Um, I, you know, one of the sort of my 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 theories was, hey, I could really buy an insurance brokerage. Uh, and, and that would be a great search business. I know the industry, uh, my, my dad used to be in the industry. So I, I had this experience where I was like, you know, I think I can buy an insurance brokerage. Uh, I had 10 cities picked out. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, uh, my wife was on board. So, so we sort of launched in, in, in 2008. Mm-hmm. And so she was, she was willing to go to one of these 10 cities. She was game. Now I didn't hear you mention the city that you ultimately ended up in the outskirts of. So, yeah. so how did you yeah. find this business outside uh, Madison? And I don't know how far outside Madison it was. So t- tell us how you found this business. I had a search where my strategy was heavy on cold calls. I was, I was in the sales, I was in sales before. So I was very comfortable getting on the phone and calling sellers. Um, got hung up on that was, I was just, you know, sort of, um, totally okay with that process. And I also wrote a lot of handwritten letters. Um, I didn't send a lot of emails and and sort of the third part of my, my strategy was to try to find a river guide, Mm -hmm. uh, where you find someone that's going to hopefully give you a warm intro into, into a business or a seller. So one of my ideas was to call um, insurance magazines, you know, there was this insurance magazine called the insurance journal. And I called the editors there. Cause I was thinking, you know, these, these people probably know a lot of people that own insurance agencies. They probably are pretty well connected. They've got their sort of feelers out there. Um, and so I, I called them and the editor called me back and said, you know, I, I, I like your story. I, I know this, this gentleman who's got an agency and insurance brokerage for sale in Madison. And I'll make an intro, and so that was that was how I got connected to what what ended up being my my first deal. Um, I, I should note that I really felt strongly going into my search that it was going to be really hard to do a brokered search in the insurance space. Um, there's 
a handful of insurance investment bankers and, and brokers. And I, I felt like every time I reached out to them, they, they could kind of get a sense that I'm only going to do one deal. Um, they're probably going to send their best deals to you know the roll-ups or the larger private equity firms that were getting in the space. I was at the very, very bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. And then even if I got invited to, to participate in some type of bid, I knew the investor group I had in the search in the traditional world, uh, multiples were already starting to kind of go crazy, uh, that it was going to be very hard to win those win those deals. So I sort of like, I, I've got to find a, a, a seller that just directly. And I also need to find a seller that kind of gets it, what I'm trying to do. I, I really felt like, hey, I could be sort of the the son that, that a seller never had mm-hmm. to kind of take over the business and and come in and learn the business and um, you know ask questions and keep the culture going and stay independent. So I was really trying to. Um, I knew that was my my only shot. Uh, and so when I got this intro to this person in Madison, uh, I, I felt like really lucky, and that was very early on in my search. It was like the first second or first or second month. Wow. Um, and August, and all that I, all that stuff that yeah. you just said about the the son that the owner never had and continuing yeah. the legacy, um, the, those are all kind of catchphrases that are well known in the search community today. Yeah. Um, but I suspect they weren't at the time, and this is really from kind of your own strategizing. And not, yeah. But but yeah. you know you meant it. But but at the same time, yeah. like you were trying to position yourself in a way that would be appealing, but you didn't have a playbook. You were figuring this out as you went. A hundred percent. And I knew, I knew I didn't know a lot. I mean, I knew, even though I was in insurance, I really needed someone, a seller to also teach me the business. So it's very, very genuine. I needed to come in and, and learn the business and actually try to, you know, walk in their shoes for a year or two before I could, uh, you know, make changes or do anything. So, so yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, uh, you know, I, in many ways I got lucky. Well, as we're going to find out, I, I, as I recall from our pre-call, actually, there's a mandated pretty much three years that you need to be working yeah, with sellers in the industry. I know. Um, and were you looking for uh, traditional search funds, typically targeting bigger businesses than a self-funded uh, searcher would be? Was that, that I assume that was the case then. How big a business were you looking for? Yeah, I, I was trying to... So this was 2008 and 2009, and this was you know the economy. This was sort yeah. of a, a crisis time a little yeah. bit. And... Um, I started out right kind of before all that happened in my search, and then I found the deal as that was sort of all blowing up. Um, and so I, w- I started, once I sort of got to the point where I got a deal, I started getting worried, oh man, this is too big. This is gonna, this is gonna be too tough to, um, to raise capital for it. It's hard calling your investors and asking for money when, when sort of they feel like the world's, world's on fire. So yeah. um, I, uh, I, I was trying to think the business ended up was like a million seven in EBITDA, mm-hmm. had about 50 employees. Uh, and it, it uh, you know, it was sort of right in range what what at traditional searchers at the time at the time were doing. We don't have time for all the ins and outs of it uh, because we have another search story to get to and then so much more after that. So um, I guess jump us in to you know, either the transition, any, anything you, you think would be most relevant to the audience in terms of it, of the deal itself, negotiating the actual acquisition or the transition or the handover and working with whatever you think is is most relevant for folks from that whole experience. One thing that, that you know, a lot of searchers, not a lot of folks have done bought an insurance broker and it might be met, worth mentioning kind of what 
what that yeah, is and, perfect. and how, what they do. And so um, an insurance broker, it's also called an insurance agent agency. Um, really, we're sort of a, we, we function as a, a middle person uh, where businesses come, they hire us and say, hey, help me buy insurance. And then we go out and we, uh, we talk to different insurance companies and get quotes from those different insurance companies and present them back to our client. And, and connect them and hopefully they, you know, they, they buy insurance through like a travelers or Chubb or someone like that. And in exchange for that service that, we, that an insurance broker provides, you make a commission and usually it's like a 10 or 15% commission on the, on the premium. So, uh, that's, that's kind of what, what we do. There's two kinds. There's a commercial insurance broker, which, you know, they do like property and casualty, which is sort of a workers' comp, general liability, auto insurance. And there's a whole separate uh, service or, or broker type that does employee benefits. Uh, my background was on the commercial side, so that, that's kind of where I, where I came in. Um, I, I felt like, and I, I, st I, I love the insurance business, it's, it's, a, it's a highly recurring revenue business. So usually insurance brokerages keep about 90% of their clients every year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look forward to the next year. I think we about we've got a very good chance of keeping nine out of our ten clients that that we have on the books. And so um, so to be clear, that commission is a recurring commission, ten or fifteen percent for the duration of that insurance policy. That's great. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um and you know, I think it's 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 people don't want to change insurance. It's it's change brokers. It could be kind of a hassle. Um and so that that and, and you know, if you give them great service and take care of them and if they need to add a vehicle to their program, we, we do all that. I want to share an update on the Acquisition Lab. As you know, the lab is a highly vetted, cohort-based accelerator and community for people serious about buying a business. After going through the lab's month-long intensive, you have ongoing access to almost daily Q&A sessions with advisors, regular live deal reviews with Walker Dibel, author of Buy Then Build, potential deal team introductions, and a very active Slack group with other searchers on the path. Well, the update is that the lab recently passed 60 businesses acquired and for well over $100 million in aggregate transaction value. Also, all members now enjoy lifetime access to the lab. Because when you buy a business, it's often just the first of many, and the lab wants to support you in every deal, not just your first. Lastly, check out my recent interview with Shane Ursum, episode 105. Shane acquired a business with over a million dollars in EBITDA in just six months, and he attributes a lot of his deal success to what he learned in the lab. Check out acquisitionlab.com or email the lab's director, Chelsea Wood, chelsea at buythenbuild.com. When I bought uh, the, the first business, multiples for insurance brokerages were like six, six times EBITDA. Wow. Um, what, and because because now, the quality of revenue is so attractive? It, it was, and it, uh, it, it really was, um, you know, sort of what the market was then. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of, since then, a lot of private equity firms have gotten into the space. I think there's like 30 roll-ups going on right now in the insurance brokerage world. Wow. And they've, they've bid up the, the multiples. And so now it's like 10 to 12 times EBITDA, wow. what insurance brokerages go for. Um, so, so, you know, that, that's sort of, and I, so I got in at a, at a really fortuitous good time. Um, and the, uh, the, the things that I worried about the most when I, when I moved out to Madison and moved my family out there was, 
Um, the, the, we call it, it's an elevator asset business. So there's no hard assets that you buy in this business. Mm -hmm. All of your assets go up and down the elevator every day. <laughs> they're, the, they're, the, they're, they're the team. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you have this fear. All you really are doing is buying a client list. Mm -hmm. and, and all the people that are the, they work with the agency or brokerage, they usually have non-solicit agreements. So you kind of know, hey, they can't steal the business. Um, the sellers typically have like a non-compete, which is like one step uh, more formal where they can't you know, compete at all. Um, so I had that. But I was I was very panicked and worried about this elevator asset situation. So, you know, if, if I got in there and it didn't go well, technically, all the employees could just leave and it could be it could go to zero, you know, immediately. Um, and so that that is the major worry about buying a business like an insurance brokerage. And it's very relationship driven. So a lot of these clients know the people in Madison. They don't know me. Uh, so it was very I was, I was really worried about that. Um, and I think that um, for, for that reason, the deal structure in insurance agencies is such that it's very common. Almost 100% of the time, we have an earnout. We have like a three-year earnout, uh, and the seller needs to stick around for three years. And usually, like 25 to 30% of the purchase price is allocated towards, towards the earnout. Uh, so, so that's some, there's ways to solve that elevator asset issue, but it freaked me out. Uh, it's it's still something I think about all the time because because you realize it's it's all we really have is a client list. Well, August, I mean, hearing you say that, it, it, it's I mean, so many of the businesses that my guests buy are are similar, or frankly worse because yeah. an insurance policy is tighter. The, the 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 recurring nature of the revenue um, is you know more contractual and and higher higher quality. So you know. A commercial janitorial business or a commercial landscaping business, same thing. I mean, there's no elevator involved because those are going to be blue collar yeah. businesses. But, <laughs> but, but you know, it's just the relationships and in, in your team that you're buying, and those contracts are are probably way less secure than an insurance business. So, um, yeah. so I don't mean to minimize your fear. It just, it just, yeah, yeah. it just makes the the, <laughs> the landscaping and janitorial of the businesses of the world seem, you know, even more vulnerable. Frankly, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I, I uh, so, so, I mean, I think that was the big deal dynamic is trying to figure out the people there. Are they going to stick around? Yeah. You know, are they, are they going to be, uh, are they going to help the business grow all that stuff? Um, so that, that was my main, main concern. Um, you know, also my wife is a West coaster. She's from Portland, mm. Oregon, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, I'm from St. Louis. So I'm kind of used to winters, but we moved to Madison in February, Oof. uh, and she was like, what the, yeah. what did you get me into? It was so cold there that time of year. So, so those were the two areas where I was worried. Well, well uh, I mean, it's funny. I, I moved my family and wife from the Bay Area to Arlington, yeah. Virginia, uh, which is a suburb right outside D.C. Uh, last yeah. year. And I, and I timed it to avoid August, which is just the, you know, Mark, the, 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 the swampiest, hot. hottest, nastiest, hum, most humid time of the year. Yeah. So that, you know, on yeah. day one, she wasn't like, what, what have you done? Um, but yeah. by the way, given that Madison wasn't on the list of 10 cities also, she's already making yeah. an exception to the rules. I, how did you, what did you say to say, you know, make an exception? You know, I think, I think, uh, it, you know, what she had, it's really hard being a spouse. I'm sure I know you guys have talked about this before in your podcast, but um, especially when you're moving. Um, every day I'd come home and maybe we're going to move here. Maybe we're going to move there. And, and so I started getting excited about Madison. Um, and I, I remember the deal, you know, deals fall apart like 
four times. And I remember I came home from work one time. It's off. It's it's not happening. Don't worry. Let's let's focus on some other city. And she was genuinely bummed. Oh. And, and she hadn't ex- she hadn't expressed that she was excited about Madison, but I could tell she was like genuinely bummed. And she's like, well, I looked at some houses and I, I looked at the schools and I was sort of starting to think about it. Yeah. So I, I sort of, I woke up that morning, I'm like, I got to figure out how to get this deal back on track. <laughs> That's cool. And I, and I did. Well, Madison um, is renowned for being family friendly, isn't it? I mean, it it's, is. it's a great it town is. for, for um, yeah. Uh, and my, yeah, my, it is. my parents actually met there too. So I have a soft yeah. spot for Madison. Cool. It's, it's, it's the best. Cool. All right, so so you're you're feeling a lot of anxiety about um, the elevator asset nature of this business, and as you've explained to us, because of this, it's what are kind of typical terms in the insurance business when there's an acquisition is that the seller is working. You're working alongside the seller for three years, yeah. and there's an earnout structure. So how did all of that go? This was a, a hard part for me. Is it was the seller dynamic, um, and I was thinking about it. Uh, the seller rolled ten percent. Uh, the seller had a seller note. The seller had an earnout, and the seller was our landlord. Uh, so I was, I was, I, I had to get along <laughs> with this person. Uh, and and you know, I think in many ways he he uh, he was very much still kind of my boss. Um, and and so it was, um, but yet I was a CEO, um, and I was in charge of like driving the direction of the company. Um, and I, I think, you know, ultimately what, what ended up happening is, is we, we sort of went through this first year or two where it's kind of the honeymoon period and I was learning the business and things were going pretty well, but then towards the second or third year, I think just naturally, I mean, we're both sitting right next to each other in offices. He's super worried about his earnout and stressed about it. He's counting on it for retirement. I'm thinking about other things and growing and trying to learn the business and, so naturally, like tension and friction develops um, is, is, and, I, and I tried so hard. I think we both did, is tried so hard to get along and make it work, but it just felt like there were two cooks in the kitchen. And um, when that third year came up, I was like, you know, it's time we, we sort of, he, he moves on, he retires, and I sort of uh, move forward and, and drive the growth of the business. But that was another big area I was very worried about. I, I really had to make sure that that this relationship was going well. Um, he, you know, and 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 I had to transition all those clients and get to know them and all the employees. And so it was it was tricky. And I think um, one thing that I've sort of learned through this whole process is there's there's two ways I would probably do it if I could do it again. One is, you know, try to give the seller if I if I ended up buying a you know another insurance business really give the seller autonomy to, to, to run the business and control their owner and out and not meddle or um, have an agreement with the seller where they're going to leave right away. Uh, but in the middle where I'm really meddling and we're working close together and we don't, we're not totally have our incentives aligned, it's just sort of inevitable that, that there's going to be friction. Uh, and so that was, that was a big, big challenge and a big part of the, the Madison story was working through that yeah. relationship. Well, the, the, Something you'll hear a lot is is kind of buyers, searchers want that seller kind of want them leashed to the business so that they can't run away yeah. with all of the business still locked up in their heads or not support you if there's a problem or what have you, um, which is valid. And sometimes that really is needed. But then on the other side, like once you kind of got your arms around the business, many searchers find 
that they would just want the seller out of there is ASAP. Like <laughs> once yeah. they've I, I, you know you, used the seller for what they've needed them for, better that they not be there uh, in the room anymore. Sort of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I agree. That that was my my feeling um, too. But go ahead. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing that that on that I was afraid of clients leaving because uh, I didn't have that relationship. And, and early on, we had a, a sales producer leave. Uh, and, and so I was worried, oh boy, all their clients are going to leave. And, and this person had a big chunk of our business. So I got in a car and went out to see all these clients and said, hey, my name's August and I'm from St. Louis and I'm new here. <laughs> would you stick Would yeah. you stick with us? I know the producers, I know the salesperson, just like, would, you, would you stick with me for a year or two? And, and uh, maybe it's because people in Wisconsin, you know, you've heard that expression, Wisconsin mm -hmm. nice. Um, they were too, too nice to, 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 but they stuck with me, which, which was amazing. Uh, and, um, I sort of started to get confidence. Hey, I could, I could keep these clients if the seller left or if a key salesperson left. And, um, I think that sort of rings true with a lot of searchers as you start to go through, yeah, I can, I can do this. I can, I can, I can make this work. So. Well, but, yeah. but do you think it was also to your credit that you were so proactive about it that you literally knocked on doors and hat in hand and said, let, give me a chance. Yeah. Like is, is like is that is that the takeaway that you should do you should you should really lay it on um, if yes if, if these relationships yeah yes I think you got to show up in person you know be genuine say hey here's what happens but don't worry I'm mm -hmm. gonna take care of you and uh, and, and deliver uh, and so that you know people mm -hmm. gave me a chance mm -hmm. and that really worked out through that whole transition what's the name of this business August it was called Murphy Insurance Murphy Group Insurance Group okay. And what about yep. um, becoming a leader for the first time? Uh, I, I, you know, that was also something. So I think going into it, you, you feel like you got it all figured out and, and you're, you know, you're, you're going to be a great leader. And then um, I feel like being a leader, there's like a huge uh, magnifying glass on all of your strengths and all your weaknesses. Uh, and, and it's just magnified enormously when you step into a leadership position. Uh, and so one of the things that I think I felt like I really struggled with early on, um, as a leader, I felt very scripted. I mm. felt like I was sort of running a playbook that wasn't really me. I was saying things that I'd read in a book or heard before. Mm. Um, I felt like I didn't listen very well. I, you know, I felt like I was sort of just ready to try to, you know, not listen. I was listening with an intent to respond. You know, you listen to someone, you're just all of a sudden while they're talking, you're thinking about what you're going to say without actually listening. Um, and so I, I think those two things, um, you know, I, I really struggle with. And I think people felt like they couldn't, um, I wasn't genuine. Um, I, I wasn't sort of real. And I think um, learning to be that way and be comfortable with yourself as a leader is really hard. Um, but once I sort of started doing that and, and, and being more me, things started to work a lot better as opposed to sort of like, Hey, I'm following the script. This is what you say. This is how you do it. Uh, it, it just comes off scripted and people know, yeah. and pe people just don't like it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's, it's just really important to be, um, be you. Well, it is. And, and I feel like that error for lack of a, a better word is, is just so common in all an experience, you, you you overcompensate because you're insecure, and you yep. try to you know put on the hat of whatever role you're trying to fill, and yep. people can see it from a mile away. And you know, uh, with time, we all learn to to be ourselves, and that's why old people are so refreshingly direct. Yeah, they, they yeah. just don't care anymore. 
Um, but August, curious, how did you kind of get the message that you were coming off as fake and not a good listener? So I had these two guys who I I, I told you about at the beginning. Um, they were on my board, and I almost talked to them almost daily. And I think I've got this. This was the beauty of of the traditional search model: is you have this built-in group of investors of very smart, capable, experienced people to guide you through this that part. Uh, and so I've really counted on them to give me advice, give me coaching, uh, and they were great at giving me honest, candid feedback. Um, so I, 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 I was totally indebted to their, their feedback as things were going about how to tweak and become a sort of a better leader and be more comfortable, uh, in, in that position. So, um, I had a great board. We had, we had a really great, it wasn't like, a you know, report out session. It was, a, they were all strategy meetings. They were really fun. People gave me great ideas, great coaching and feedback and, uh, it was almost like that period at, at traditional search was sort of like just a super, my, my learning curve was just, just straight up. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I really benefited from, from that sort of traditional model, uh, you know, that way. And I've heard searchers talk about this. Should you do traditional or search? That's the main thing that I just loved about that traditional model was that, was that coaching. The, the, the coaching of your investors, yeah. your investors on, in a traditional yeah. search fund, at least yeah. when you did it, were very involved with you yeah. as coaches, as, as a board. Um, yep. and, and, okay. That's great. Well, we're going to get to the contrast uh, here in a minute because yeah. you also then did a self-funded search. Um, well, one other thing before we, well, I also want to hear about the exit of Murphy, um, your exit, but also the cultural, wasn't there, wasn't kind of going into, it wasn't in Madison proper, was it? It was a little outside Madison. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was about uh, 10 minutes north, 20 minutes north of Madison, this town okay. called Wan- Wanakee. Uh, famous as being the only Wanakee in the world, um, loved it. Um, uh, and, um, you know, it, 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 it culturally, um, you know, it was a very sort of, uh, informal, everyone knew each other in this little town. Um, and, and, you know, that was sort of an adjustment to learn how to fit into that. Uh, you know, it wasn't something where I really, you know, said, Hey, I'm from California. I moved out here from the Bay area. I, I, that, that didn't, that wasn't like the best. I think people <laughs> wanted someone uh, from the Midwest, uh, so I really played up my my seamless uh, background. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, so so that was hard too, is getting getting into that culture. But everyone in Wisconsin, I mean, everyone was just so nice. It, that was a huge part of it. Hard workers, uh, just just a great team. Well, and because fitting into the culture of the of the business you buy, and and so one of the themes comes up over and o- over is white collar people buying blue collar yeah. businesses, and the, the cultural yeah. gap there, bridging that gap, where you're the outsider, you're typically going to be the the white collar one. Um, was there any was there any learnings there? Or was it was it kind of more of just learning to lead this organization, be authentic, and and yeah, I that. think so. So my dad was in insurance, and I grew up watching him go to work in a in a suit and tie. Mm. Uh, and, and I, I look up to him and I, I really, it was like, that's, I bought an insurance business. I'm going to work with it with a tie on. And like the first week I was like, this is not going to work in rural <laughs> Wisconsin. Okay. So I mean, just lose the tie, things, lose the tie, lose the tie. Okay. Uh, so those, those kind of things, um, they, they really, people see that. Um, yeah. so I think I, I learned quickly. Great. Yeah. So what? How does this this adventure, your tr- first traditional, your first search, a traditional search, come to a close? So, so you know, with with many times in the traditional world, sort of the finish line is an exit. 
Um, yep. and, and many times that's like five to 10 years after, after you buy the business. Uh, and so we got to that point five, five or six years in. Uh, multiples have, have gone up a lot. I, I, we had a, a good ride in terms of growth, but not incredible. Um, we'd sort of struggle with some, you know, getting the right salespeople on board and working through the seller transition. Um, but we felt like, hey, you know, this is this, the multiples are going up. This is 2015. Um, it it uh, it might be a good time to to talk to a broker or a banker and see see what kind of multiples we could get. So we went out, uh, had hired an investment banker who specializes in insurance, who knew all the players. Um, we did a very sort of specific process where uh, the banker was like, hey, we're going to just talk to three or four. And we're going to have very casual, informal chats with these folks and tell them the story. And we're not going to send, you know, this deal out to 30 people. Um, and I think that really worked. We, we ended up getting like four very interested parties, all larger insurance brokers that most of them were backed by like a private equity roll up um, and sort of went through all that process and, and sold. Uh, and as part of that, just like I had done, the, the new owner said, Hey, August, you're, you know, you're, we need you for a three year earn out. Uh, so I was kind of prepared for that going in. That was a big part of it. I, I could, it could not be, Hey, you're going to leave on day one. I think that would hurt the value of the business. Um, you know, and I was, I was, you know, really committed to that three years and making that work. And, um, we ended up selling to this firm called hub international, which is a big, you know, insurance uh, broker that, that buys a lot of agencies. It's backed by a, a private equity fund. Uh, and uh, so it was exciting. It, it was like, uh, it, it was like just a, a mad dash this five years, learned a ton. Then you go through this, this very high of selling your business. Uh, and, and, and uh, it, it, it was, it was, you know, quite a, quite a ride. So you had grown it somewhat, yep. but you got, but not a ton. Yeah. But you got to enjoy multiple expansion, if, yeah. if we can call it that, simply because the market multiples had gone up. Correct. Yeah, correct. And and uh, just two things on the insurance business. Going back to when you bought it in 2008, nine, um, and uh, how the world was coming apart then economically, did that also would have been a good time to stress test the idea of like how recession resistant a particular business yeah. is. Yeah. And intuitively it would seem like insurance is extremely recession resistant. It is. Did yeah. it prove to be even, even totally. during a crisis like 2008? Totally. Uh, mm -hmm. It's kept growing. Uh, you know, everyone has to buy insurance. You, you, you know, no one is, it's, it's one of the, it's like the last thing you probably have to give up if you're a business is no yeah. longer insuring yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's pressure tested the drama with the seller all those clients ended up being a lot stickier than I thought of the sort of 50 people that were there when I bought it. I, I think that only like 10 or 20 were, we totally had refreshed the whole team. Mm -hmm. um, we kept a lot of those clients, uh, you know, maybe just being nervous and worrying wasn't really, it probably was worth it, but um, cause you're, you know, you can, you, you stay sharp when you're worried, but, um, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it, uh, it, 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 all those things sort of played out and, and it kind of worked out and we got really lucky that, you know, multiples went up, uh, and there was it was such an active market for for selling a selling an insurance agency. Uh, mm -hmm. Got lucky with that. Mm -hmm. And then, so were you literally there from 2015 when you sold through 2018? Yeah, transition. I was. I mm -hmm. was. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, they put me sort of in charge of like a, a region, 
which was fun. Uh, I learned a lot. I, you know, they're a, a professional buyer of agencies. So I, I learned a ton seeing how they did it and how they managed it. They made it seem a lot easier than, than when I did it myself. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I, I started feeling like during that earnout, I, like I mentioned, you almost, it's hard working for a bigger company. At least it was for me um, after being an entrepreneur and, and having total control over your destiny and your time. And I was sort of plugged into a bigger company. It was a great firm, is a great firm. But for me, I started feeling like, gosh, you know, I still have more energy. I, 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 I've, got, I've got another, another venture in me. Uh, and so I started in my mind thinking during that period that, hey, I, I'd love to, I'd love to search again and do mm -hmm. it again. So I, I did do the whole three-year period though. Uh, great. Well, we're going to, we're just about to get there. A couple of follow-ups though. How old were you at this time? I was 35. 35 in 2015. Yeah. Or in 2018. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, when I finished it, I was 38 when 30. I, when I, oh, when I got okay. out there. Yeah. And then we're, we're, we are the same age. Right. Yeah. Uh, and August, the... So a searcher contemplating buying an insurance business or agency or brokerage, they do need to, this, this kind of three years at the start, three years at the end intrigues me. You really, yeah. if that's the industry norm, you got to be prepared for a three-year transition with the seller. Although yeah. as we've talked about, maybe that'll be cut short because that is a very long time. But then if you're, if you're expecting to then exit the business at some point, you are likely going to be expected to yes. stay in the business for a three-year yes. tra transition. Yes. So that, that that strikes me as kind of a big, big uh, deal. calculation, big deal to, to, to something to consider before you dive into the insurance world. Yeah, it is. And I think if you signal anything but to, to a buyer uh, that's going to buy your agency that you're not going to do it, I think they'd have red flags. And I think many buyers of agencies wouldn't do a deal unless the seller was going to stay on for, for an internet period. Uh, and, and now what they've sort of learned even further is they're really almost insisting that sellers of agencies roll mm -hmm. equity, uh, a sizable amount of equity. So they're totally in it, totally incentives aligned. Um, and you sort of help erase that, that worry about those elevator assets issue because the seller is going to have equity and they're going to be there for three years. And, you know, that's not a problem. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you, August. Okay, so you're you're yeah. you're 38, and you're getting the entrepreneurial itch again. Think you might have uh, another rodeo in you. What what do you look yeah. to do? Are you guys are still in Madison at this point? Still in Madison. Um, we had four kids now. Wow, <laughs> uh, young, pretty pretty young kids. Um, and you know, if there's anybody listening to this or watching this that's from St. Louis. Well, they'll know that a lot of say St. Louisans love kind of coming back to ah. St. Louis, and so that's always kind of been in my mind. Uh, I don't, I don't know why that. It's just, a, it's just, it's just such a great place to if if you're from there to to raise a family. So I, uh, I'd always been telling my wife, it'd be fun to get back to St. Louis. Let's maybe would you think about it? What do you think? So during that earnout period, my wife's like, okay, 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 okay. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> if you could find something or do something in St. Louis, mm -hmm. we'll do it. So. Um, I, you know, I, I, as that period sort of wound down, I, I started really thinking about, hey, I, I'd love to do another one, buy another agency. Multiples had gone up. So I knew that I couldn't buy a bigger, it had to be a very small one, something that was kind of under the radar of all the, uh, you know, the, what the bigger brokers would buy. Uh, I wanted it to be in St. Louis. So there was like 10 of them or 15 of them. It was a very limited, you know, sample size. Um, and, um, uh, so, so I, I sort of identified these 10 or 15, you know, little agencies in St. Louis, 
um, and started cold calling, just re redid the process and <laughs> started cold calling, going down there and, uh, you know, doing breakfast and buying lunch. And, and, uh, and, and one seller in particular here in town was, uh, it was a husband wife team. And like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sell it to you. Uh, we, we love the story. We, we love what you, you know, you've done. And, and, uh, you know, they, they, in 2019, uh, I closed, uh, on a, uh, on a, in another agency here in St. Louis and did it totally self-funded this time. Um, I sort of felt like, you know, one of the things that, that there was so many good things about the first, first deal, but the one thing that, um, that I, I thought about is I, I sold when I felt like I was just getting good as hmm. a leader. Um, and you sort of cut that off and, uh, it's kind of like, okay, now yeah, you could still help out and impact the, the bigger company that bought you. But, um, I felt like, you know, you're definitely going to be a better CEO, your second decade mm -hmm. than your first decade. Uh, and you can learn, you can, I, I thought, Hey, maybe if I could let it work in an industry too, I was starting to get good at mm -hmm. the industry. You know, I, I knew the players had all the relationships. I knew how it worked. I knew, and I was starting to get better and better and better. And so I, I thought with the second one, I really wanted to set it up where I could I could own it for 40 years, 30 years, and and hopefully just really get into something where it keeps growing. You know, I, I don't sort of interrupt that period where I'm improving uh, and sort of take advantage of all the things I learned. So so self-funded worked out perfectly with that. You know, you can you can buy, you can do whatever you want with it. There's you don't have to sell it. Um, I think the biggest concern is, you know, I, I brought on some debt is making sure your lender's happy. Uh, but that's it. Um, and so that, that the, the, the downside is you kind of, when you buy a smaller business, many times you, you this expression is used, you buy a job and that's totally true. That's what I did. Uh, very small business. Uh, we had like six employees. Wow. Very um, small. But I sort I sort of, I, I lined it up where I, I felt like, Hey, I got a long time to try to try to do this and figure it out. Uh, and, and I've learned all this stuff going through the traditional model and, and I learned a lot when I was at hub and seeing that. So I thought it was like a perfect yeah. I think the right thing to do. Well, when you had bought the first business at Murphy, was that not also buying a job? We were bigger. You know, we had like, we had 50, we had some, you know, <laughs> we had accounting people. We even had an IT guy. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, here I had, we had nothing. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was, yeah. I mean, you really learn the business when you buy, when you do it, when you do a really small yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just a totally different job than when you buy a bigger business. Um, and so that was like a shock. Uh, I wasn't totally prepared for that. I, I figured that out quickly. Um, but you know, the benefit is, is sort of like, Hey, this is a time where hopefully you can sort of build it and you'll be, you know, set your up, set, set the business up to own it for a longer time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm, I'm reminded of August, uh, is, uh, Amir Habouche who has, is buying HVAC businesses around the country, um, talks about, what the types of operators or, or presidents, CEOs that he likes to put into the businesses if they need that. And basically the idea is you want somebody who is at a larger organization to then come to the smaller one because they know, you know, what the larger one should look like. And so they're the perfect candidate to grow the smaller one into the bigger one. And that's essentially what you yeah. did for yourself. I mean, you knew what a 50 person in, uh, insurance agency looked like. And so you buy a six yeah. person one and, and you kind of know what the six person one should look like when it grows up. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And August, did, at, you know, at six employees now, I don't know, can, can you share anything about re revenue at that level or no? We were tiny. I think we were a million in revenue. 
and I think, you know, EBITDA was under half million in EBITDA. So very small, very small business. At that level, and given that you know the business really well already, although you, you, there's always more to learn, but you, you, as you said, you were getting the connections and you were just feeling really like starting to get a taste of kind of mastery of the insurance business, or at least a veteran of the insurance business. Did you consider starting from scratch at that point? If you're going to buy something that's all, it's so, so small. I did. I did. I think I would have if I wouldn't have gotten lucky and mm -hmm. found this deal. Um, but I, I, I felt like buying something small would give me a two years, yeah. two or three year yeah. jump start. You know, like, you know, it, starting out, you got to get all the insurance licenses and software and, uh, you know, really starting from scratch. I think it's going to take a couple of years or two or three years just doing yeah. that stuff. Um, so I felt like if I could do it, I give myself a little bit of a, of a, of a jump, but I was in my back of my mind. I was, I was ready to yep. start from scratch if, if this yep. wouldn't have come up. Yeah. That's a great and question. And the, I just, just curious when you were doing your outreach, when you got back to St. Louis, before you said you didn't even do email back in 2008, nine, were you sending emails this time around? Or are you still old school phone I, in person? I still did a lot of phones and a lot of handwritten notes. Um, and, and the seller who I ended up selling mm -hmm. to, uh, when I came in to see him, I, I, it, you know, he, he had my handwritten note on his desk that I'd sent from like months mm -hmm. before. Uh, and I think that sort of resonated with yeah. him. Uh, and, and so I, it, it, uh, it, it takes a lot longer. Uh, but I felt like, you know, you kind of got to do it what, what no one else yeah. is doing. Uh, and, and just try to be different. And, uh, and so that, that worked, you know, it, it, it was sort of a way to sort of, um, kind of show him who I am and, 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 and come, you know, and sort of just, you know, distinguish myself from other, yeah. other buyers. Yeah, for sure. So although, although I don't yeah. want to leave the audience with the impression, go start writing handwritten notes, just be, be yeah, only, yeah. only to say, only to that. say, cause you had so much, there was so much in that handwritten note, I'm sure that was yeah. also, it was like, yeah. I I'm, I'm, I'm a native of St. Louis. I want to come home. I have yep. a family with four yep. kids. I just spent, yep. you know, I just spent, I guess, 10 years buying an insurance business outside yeah. Madison, growing it and selling it. So I know what I'm doing. So yeah. there were so many things about you that was like, wow, this guy is worth talking to. Yeah. 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 I, I've talked to searchers who, who are friends and, and the second time around is much easier. Um, and, and almost everyone says that. I don't, I don't know why that is exactly. I guess it's just because you have confidence and credibility yeah. and you can kind of, you know, skip what doesn't yeah. work. Um, but but that's that's I, I found yeah. that really true. Second time was much easier. And what about any kind of non-compete? Uh, how can you dive right back into the same yeah. industry? It's a great question. So so I had a non-compete in Wisconsin. So I, I kind of had to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I like if I was going to work in insurance, I had to leave Wisconsin. Uh, and so being able to to work in Missouri and St. Louis that that worked. Uh, and so that that sort of fit and and. You know, you obviously can't go after any of your old clients or any of that stuff. And um, I, I've always felt like you got to really honor those things and and try to, you know, do it. You have clients call you and you got to say, hey, I got two years. Call me in two years uh, or whatever the time period mm -hmm. would be. And, um, you know, that 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 that's how that that kind of went mm -hmm. went mm -hmm. down. OK. And so you're returning now to doing self-funded. Could you? Yeah bring all the necessary equity and capital for the deal yourself? Uh, mm -hmm. I did. Yeah, I did, mm -hmm. did it myself. And uh, I, I found, a, I didn't do an SBA oh. deal. I found a, 
a lender who was in the insurance business. It's like an insurance company, but they had a bank uh, attached to it. And I reached out to them and they said, yes, we'll do it. It kind of mirrored what an SBA deal it was a 10 year deal. Um, but they knew insurance. I, I think they felt comfortable with my background. So th that really was, they've been just a wonderful partner and they know the industry. Um, they've helped me on various things. So that, that was how I, I financed it myself and, and with this, uh, this bank mm -hmm. senior debt and the so the vision is this will probably be it means something that you i heard you say 40 years i think on the pre-call you said pass it yeah. on to your kids if they if they're interested this really yeah. is yeah this is a, a long-term thing and and by not having any investors and doing self-funded versus traditional you have that autonomy that freedom to choose to, yeah. to write chart your own course and however long you want to do it that, yeah. And that's the vision. Yeah, that's my plan. I, I, um, because there's so many uh, roll-ups going on in insurance, we're now sort of unique that we're independent. Oh, uh, I love that. I think that's cool. Yeah, uh, and I think that helps with recruiting. I think it helps with talking to clients. Uh, in St. Louis, just here alone, almost every of the big agencies has been bought. Mm -hmm. um, we're one of the few independents left. Um, I, I sort of have this, it's, it's this, this vision of trying to also create a brand and, and I think creating a brand takes a lot of time. Yep. I mean, it, you know, I really want to be, have Oberly be just, uh, uh, viewed and, 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 and deliver as just a super high quality, great firm, mm -hmm. uh, that's special. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's going to take like years. Uh, and so I, I, I want to sort of try to try to build that. That's what I'm really, that's what gets me out of bed every day. Uh, and that's what gets, uh, people excited here, um, is trying to do that. And I've got, I've got a long time, uh, to do that, which is, which is really, I think helpful. Um, and that, that's really my main driver right now is to one day, hopefully people say overweight, they're, they're just a, you know, one of, they're the best. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what we're, we're really working for. And two follow-ups to that, August, w what, what is being the best in insurance? Just high touch, great, basically great customer service, essentially for your client service. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, uh, you know, customer service is, um, is everything we do. And, um, you know, basically it, People don't love buying insurance. I know people aren't excited about doing it, but if we can make it very easy and hassle-free, that's a huge win. If we can have people that totally trust us, we're almost like their insurance person, like they're out there, part of their company. We yeah. got it handled. Yep. Um, and that if we have their best interests in mind, you know, we're going to find them the best deal. Uh, and and there there's some great competitors in this space, but there's a lot of people that aren't mm -hmm. uh, that give kind of insurance agents a bad name. I, I like that because because we can we can be the anti that, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I I I think that uh, and and again it takes years and years and years of work to try to try to earn that from people uh, and build that, but that's that's a hundred percent what what I'm what I'm focused on. I'm not not looking at buying any other add on acquisitions. Um, I'm really focused on that. I'm really focused on trying to recruit, uh, find great people which is brutal. I'm sure people talk about that. Yep. Um, and, and, and really trying to grow it or organically. That's awesome. And Oberly, the brand name, what, what, yeah. what does it mean? Where does it come from? So the business I bought was called CLH insurance here. And, uh, 
I, I, I want to have my own, you know, brand and name. And so I, 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 I was like, how do I, how do you pick a name for a company? So I had someone in Madison that, that, that I knew that was like a, a marketing person. Uh huh. And she said, well, we're going to have lunch and we're going to go through it. But before we go lunch, email me every street you lived on, every maiden name in your family, every, every possible name in your world. <laughs> I, I, I sent, I sent her like, like a hundred names, you know, my, <laughs> Where, where I grew up in, where, you know, like my dorm name and college, everything. Yeah, yeah. Grandma's middle name. Yeah, everything. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, really, I, I went, I pulled out all the stops. And she, <laughs> and I, I sat down and she, she pointed to one name. She says, Oberly. That's, that's got to be it. I'm like, I'm like, why? And she said, well, it's unique. And she had looked it up and it, it was, um, it, it means kind of, it's a German, uh, an old German name, I think, that means kind of on a hill. It was like my great grandmother's huh? maiden name or something. So that was sort of a good visual. Yeah, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a family name, an old, old family name. So I was like, that's yeah. perfect. Do it. Cool. Cool. Done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. You bought it. It was six employees and this yep. was 2000. What? 19. Yeah. Yeah. And how many employees are you today? 15. All right. And while we're kind of in and out of the world of insurance brokerage, uh, you touched on the license. Like if you had started from scratch, it would have meant getting a lot of licenses. This yeah. is something that um, readers will uh, tweak me about not asking more, which I should do. What does, for the searchers out there who might be interested in this space, what does it look like to be an outsider without any sort of insurance licensing? What are the requirements there? What, they, what should they be aware of? You know, it's not, it, it's not getting an insurance license isn't that okay. hard. Uh, it, it probably should be harder. You know, you don't have to go to school. You don't have to get a degree. Um, but what we do is it, it's it's a very critical. So if you mess it up, it's always amazes me how, how you know, sometimes some people say it's easy to get a license. But uh, we need to get licensed in every state. Insurance is regulated on a state-by-state basis. There's not like a federal regulatory body. So it's more of the administrative hassle going to every single state and signing Oberly up and getting a license and waiting weeks, two, three weeks. You got to apply for it. Um, that was that's the biggest thing. The other hard part about sort of starting from scratch is insurance companies are are partners with us, like a Travelers, for example, um, and 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 they uh, they decide who's going to sell Travelers product. Or who's going to, you know, be able to distribute travelers' insurance policies? So they, it's called appointing. So they appoint you, and it's hard to get those appointments. So I'd have to call if I started from scratch. Every single insurance company say, "Travelers, we've got this business called Oberly," and then and they would go back and forth for a few months or maybe even a year, and then appoint us. Uh, but by buying something smaller that already had all those appointments and all those licenses, I kind of just skipped yeah. all that stuff, um, and that that really that was a hard step. Getting an insurance license, it, it that was it, it's more of an administrative thing than it is like you know going to school or and, anything. Like and that. do you just get there's just a blanket insurance license, or do you have to get sub licenses for yep. the various kinds of insurance? Yep, you're you're right. It's it's you have to get a like a commercial insurance license and then a life and health license, and um, you know I I had to get those myself, and then I got to get Oberly to get every single one too. And then if a new person starts here and they're not licensed, they got to go do a class and a course and and, and take a test to get a license. Okay. So, so August, as we as we touched on at the at the top, you uh, are a sponsor, and so you're quite involved in the search community because you have searchers as as clients, and it and, it, and it's actually been yeah. uh, a great niche for you. But mutually, I mean, you've helped a lot of searchers. 
Um, and you know, a lot of searchers have come to you for that help. It's, it's kind of compounding. Well, first, why do you think it's a kind of a, a good niche? Because you are a two-time searcher? Or is there something specific about I searchers think, that, the, that, you know, that makes it a good niche? Uh, I, I, I guess one is I love working in the niche. So that, that's important, right? If you don't love it, you got mm -hmm. a problem. <laughs> so I love working with searchers. Um, you know, these are people who are putting their careers and their lives on the line to buy a business and moving there. It's just, it's inspiring. It pumps me up. I love trying to help. Um, and I, I know the feeling of, of being scared and nervous and, and, and jumping and taking that leap. Um, but, but then, you know, I, so it, this all kind of started when I first bought the, the first one and I had, there was a group of traditional searchers and we all kind of knew each other. And, uh, a couple of them called and said, Hey, I'm going to buy this business. And, I know nothing about insurance. Can you just walk, take an hour call and walk me through everything I need to know about insurance? I've never bought insurance in my life. I need to make sure this is right. I'm not stepping into a problem here. Um, and that's essentially what we do today is searchers call and say, hey, I'm buying a landscaping business, for example, and I've never purchased insurance before. Can you just guide me and tell me what I need to know and make sure I'm not making mistakes and help me get it all organized for closing? Um, Searchers don't, unlike private equity, they don't have like a deal team. They don't have like four people working on their deal. It's just them. They have to do the, the accounting diligence, the legal diligence, the lenders, the equity, the sellers, everything. Uh, it's very, very hard. Um, and so if we can come in and just sort of make the insurance part easy, educate them, explain them what it is from someone that's done it before that, that, that you know, they can really trust that's what we do. And, and it's, uh, you know, it started out just kind of one, like, you know, a couple projects here and there, and it's just, it's grown and grown and grown. It's primarily what, what, what main thing, what Oberway does now. And, you know, we're doing self-funded, we, we work with traditional, there's a, got some accelerator clients, um, some independent sponsors, um, all, all sort of in the middle market to small market, small business mm -hmm. group. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's so fun to stay connected with it. I love it. Um, I feel like we can really help. Um, and it's, it's just been, it, it's been really fortunate and we've benefited because the, the, the world has grown so much in searching thanks to, you know, people like you will and, 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 and all the conferences and people teaching it at the business schools. It's just, it's, it's, it's really been a, just a, a fun, great yeah. niche. That's awesome, August. And are there any things that you see over and over? that are, um, you know, potential, uh, potential red flags in the insurance yeah. setup of, of target acquisitions, like any, anything that's just a pattern that you would, you could just advise folks now about this piece of their acquisition, the insurance piece. Yeah, I think, you know, a small business person who's selling their business, they're pretty scrappy. And they're pretty clever uh, and they will, uh, when it comes to insurance, they'll try to cut areas here or, or not buy insurance here or do different things. And um, I think the biggest surprise we have is, is when we look at it, we say, you know, they, the seller is really, they're not buying two or three important things they should buy. Now it's totally up to you if you want to end up buying those when you buy the business, but we think you should. Um, but I think it's just sort of that realization that, uh, things are kind of thin yeah. at, at, at the, when they buy a business. And um, many times we have clients end up paying just a little bit more than they were, than the old business was paying. Uh, and that's because the searcher's like, well, I want to make sure if I have a claim for that, it's yeah. covered. 
Um, and those are sort of the bigger, that's very common. And, and is there very a particular common. type of insurance or types of insurance that sellers will skimp on? You know, I think they, they like, 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 for example, they don't have a board, sellers won't, so they won't have directors and officers insurance mm. where, you know, a searcher might have a board, so they'll have to mm. put that in. Um, sometimes they do funny things with the auto insurance. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they'll, they'll buy it personally or they'll, they'll do all kinds of quirky things with that. We see um, also there's this thing called an umbrella in insurance, which is like excess insurance in case there's like a really bad claim. And many times sellers like, oh, I'll never have a bad claim. I don't, I don't need to buy that. Uh, but we've we've seen those claims. So those are kind of the areas where we see uh, we see people kind of yeah. skimp on it. You know, the, the the reason to not skimp on insurance is obviously to get the value that insurance provides, namely protection from some sort of bad thing happening. But it also strikes yeah. me as like this is kind of part of the prof the professionalization process that many, so many yes. searchers are, are intending to, to do to their, their target acquisition, which is, you know, yeah. a big boy company has proper insurance. <laughs> you know, yes. it doesn't, it's yeah. not cutting corners yeah. on, on some of this, on some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything more on the insurance industry that we haven't touched on? I think I'm just I'm just looking at my notes here, and I think we've 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 touched on a lot of it. Are there you? you I, well, you had said uh, that there's been so much consolidation. You're actually the only indie left in St. Louis. So, are there even opportunities for searchers today? I, you know, I get called uh, pretty regularly about searchers who are interested in doing it. Um, I think just that shock about multiples is sort of the big issue is you got to pay eight to 10 times EBITDA now. Um, and a lot of investors in the traditional space don't want to do that or, or hesitant to do that. Um, you know, it, it's tough to grow an insurance agency organically because um, you think about it, everybody's got 90% retention, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's an issue there. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that, uh, that, that is a challenge is, is figuring that out. Um, it's tough to find salespeople that are, you know, great that can sell insurance that can do that. It's a rare, uh, rare personality. Uh, there, we, we do a lot of personality sort of profiling. We're trying to find the right hires. And I had a consultant tell me that like a, a true salesperson who's really like a true blue, like incredible, like, like three or 4% of the population has that type of personality mm. uh, that can go out and do mm. that. Um, so just by that nature, it's rare to find that person who can help you bring you into your insurance business and help you grow it. So those are all the challenges, um, but all this, the great stuff that's still, I always thought is still there with the business. It's good recurring revenue. It's good margins. It's steady. Um, it's recession proof. Um, I think with with interest rates going up, you know, I've, I've read a lot about that that deal activity slowed down. Like deal activity in the first half of the year is much lower than I guess twenty percent lower than it was last year. Um, I think that some of these roll ups are have a lot of debt, so I think that's going to impact them. Um, so I, I think that maybe these times are changing a little bit with with, uh, with with the interest rates and all those kind of things. And and if it does become more attractive, I, I would love to try to buy one or do something. But right now it's just, I just can't, I can't make the math work just mm -hmm. myself. And August, I, I, I work, I feel like in the nineties insurance brokers served consumers as well. 
And then I'm going to guess that the internet kind of killed that. And we all just go to progressive or Geico directly or, or our, or our health insurance from, you know, from employers, many of them, um, many, most folks, but, um, but it hasn't obviously for commercial insurance. Is that, uh, is that a threat or is that threat come and gone in, in, in commercial insurance? It's just too complex for somebody to point and click their way through it. I think about it. I'm not too, too, I mean, it could always happen. And I think on the smaller, smaller sort of. Uh, really cookie cutter type businesses, they they might go direct, but it's just got, it's still very, very confusing. And it, 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 there's so many choices that to have someone out there kind of walk yeah. you through it. And, and and I will note on the personal insurance, like your own personal right. or mm-hmm. auto, there's a big number of people. I don't know what the percentage is. It still go through oh. an agent. Oh, huge. Uh, that don't go direct. And, um, and, and these are folks, you know, who are like, hey, okay, I got a house and, Wisconsin. And then I got my, you know, a cabin up North. It's, I don't, how do I insure that? And I got, you know, I got a teenage driver. How does Mm -hmm. that work? And, um, you know, all of that stuff. So they end up going through an agent too. And that's, that stayed pretty consistent. Mm. Um, Geico and progressive have kind of picked up some of the more price buyers. Mm. Um, but I think folks who need more help and, and looking for value, um, go through an agent and, uh, you know, I think with Geico, one of the things that, that those carriers, I mean, they spend so much money on advertising. It's almost like they, that's their commission expense that they would pay to an insurance broker. They pay in advertising. So one way or the other, they've made their choice. Um, and so I think that uh, the insurance companies we work with, you know, give us commissions. So we're the salespeople, uh, whereas Geico, they're just doing it, doing it that way. It's a good question, though. August, just a couple more questions for you. I want to zoom out yeah. now uh, and just uh, kind of talk about search generally and your observations and then ask you a personal question. So um, yeah. you kind of touched on the fact that the search ecosystem has grown a lot since your time. And any any other observations to make about now versus 2008 with respect to people buying businesses? I think it's I, all I could say is I just think it's great. Um, I, I think that more and more people have confidence because others are doing it, that they can do it and, and make that leap. Uh, and I think just that's just been fun to see people who have totally changed their lives by doing a search fund. And, and uh, that, that is that is a, a, a big one. I, I think there's there's probably always been self-funded, but now it's really like a it's more specifically called self-funded searching. And that's grown a ton. Um, I think traditional has grown, but I feel like self-funded probably has grown even more. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and that's, um, that's a huge trend that, that, that we've seen is just more and more folks are sort of doing that self-funded path. Um, and I think there's more information out there than ever. Um, so I, I think it's just been, it's been great to see. Uh, and I think, I think it's going to keep, keep growing because it's a great path. We also got some contrast between your first experience buying a business yeah. as a traditional search fund and then your second as a self-funded. Is there anything more we can we can say about those two experiences? Maybe the difference in in feeling, you know, one 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 contrast is often owner versus CEO, yeah. you know, you're, you're do, do you feel like that is applicable in your case? Do you feel more of an owner versus did you feel like more of a CEO in, with Murphy? I think that's I think that's right. Um, I've had to really proactively reach out to people in my network to help 
supplement that coaching and support I got when I was in a traditional world and kind of formalize it a little bit, have like sort of a, a group of people I talk to all the time that I, that can, I can commiserate with. Um, whereas in the traditional world, it was sort of baked in. Um, and so that, that is something that I sort of had to proactively do. Um, sometimes I felt myself getting frustrated that I bought a really small business and I wish it would go faster. And I was like, Oh, only if I was back to where I was, um, I've, I felt I've had that emotion. Um, sometimes it's hard to recruit being really small. I mean, you can, you can sort of be the David and the Goliath and you can use that as a selling point when you're recruiting, but it's also be like, you know, why would I join it? Like, I, 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 is that, is that a risk? I'm joining an eight person company. Like, why would I leave a big firm? I got these benefits. Um, it's just tougher. Uh, and so those things are, um, are real, uh, in terms of difference. Um, but I, I have no, when I look back on it, I, I really think it was the right for me. It was the right way to kind of go about it. Um, cause I learned so much in the traditional world. And then I sort of had this confidence to do it, do it all with myself on the, on the self-funded side. It reminds me of something that Derek Turner, a recent guest, said, who also, like you, did a traditional search fund first and then a self-funded. Yeah. And he said that his traditional search fund, he chose to do a traditional search fund first because it felt like a, a good on-ramp to search because you have yeah. structured terms, a structured community, and then, and then these investors yeah. that you can lean on, kind of guardrails. And then he stepped out of that business and went on to buy another business as a self-funded searcher and really had, in retrospect, felt that that was accurate, yeah. that he felt kind of much more equipped uh, to be a self-funded searcher having done a traditional search fund the first time around. Yeah, 100% totally mm -hmm. agree. That's exactly my mm -hmm. experience, mm -hmm. too. Um, I, 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 that's exactly how I felt. Great. Uh, anything we didn't touch on August? No, I think that's, I, I, I think that's great. Will I great. love it. I could talk insurance all day. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to, I'll have to see if I can find any other searcher out there who's bought uh, an insurance business and, and, and get their take yeah. on it. Um, yeah. but, uh, August, w what's the best place for, uh, people to reach out to you other than you know, clicking that, that link in the I show notes that appears every other episode. That, <laughs> that link is great. Or just, you know, shoot me a note on LinkedIn or uh, our website, Oberly-Risk.com. Um, those are the best Excellent. ways. Uh, or call me too. Yeah. August, thanks so much for coming on. This was a really fun conversation. And thanks for being so great to my listeners who, who reach out to you for help. Uh, I hear nothing but good things through the community about Oberly. So um, more, more where that came from. Awesome. Thank you, Will. Thank you.